Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. It's such a privilege to have you here. My name is Henny. For those of you that don't know, um, I used most of my English words during the worship, so please bear with me. <clears throat> if my English dries up, please pray harder. Um, I, I have a very specific word that's on my heart for, for today, and um, it has everything to do with prayer. Um, but most importantly, specific prayer, praying specifically. Now, if if I if I would um, challenge you tonight, or or um, if if it was only us in this in this place, so you can use your imagination for a moment, um, and just imagine that I actually came to you personally and asked you, what are you specifically praying about in your life at this stage? What specifically are you praying about? What would your answer be? Just a disclaimer. Some of the questions I'm going to ask, I'm going to demand an answer. But for now, feel um, very at ease that this specific one, I'm not going to have you stand up and tell me what you are praying about. But I really want you to have at least an idea of what you are praying about. What are you praying about? Now, if I ask you whether you pray, um, I immediately started thinking about praying for food. Right? Not that I'm that hungry now. I actually ate before I came. But most of us, we pray at least for our food before we eat. We pray um, when we have some specific or deep meeting or hard meeting that's coming up or something that we are kind of scared of or uncomfortable with. Then we pray. Maybe I've seen from time to time people pray when they send someone. You know, when you have family over and they go back home, you kind of get in a group together and, you know, you pray. Thank, thank you, Lord, for the time that we've had. But this, the, the prayer I'm specifically speaking about now is the one where you go apart from everyone else where you isolate yourself, where you become quiet, where you maybe open your Bible before you start reading. I don't know how, how you do it, but um, that's, this is the specific kind of prayer that I'm thinking about. And, and what's interesting about prayer is that um, we can either pray almost as if we are just throwing words in the air, you know, in the sense of kind of just speaking. Or then from time to time we are specifically pressing in to say specific things and to hear specific things. And tonight 
as we as we go through the scripture and as we go through what I believe the Holy Spirit laid on my heart for tonight, I want you to allow God to bring all of the different prayers that's not necessarily focused and aligned with his will at this stage and align it with what he's busy with in your life. Because the one thing I've heard when I started working on this was that God said to me that every time I sit down and I focus on allowing the Holy Spirit to bring my thoughts captive, to bring it together and to align it with what he's busy with, I'm setting myself up for a meeting with Jesus, but I'm also setting myself up for a miracle. The moment I sit down and I pray specifically, I'm positioning myself for a miracle in my life. I'm positioning myself for a revelation. I'm positioning myself for healing. I'm positioning myself for some form of transforming of my mind. Do we all believe that? We don't just sit down and we don't just say a lot of things to whoever. We are going to read from the Bible tonight. So I want you to brace yourself. We have quite a, quite a large portion of scripture and I specifically do that because if I read English, then I don't have to think in English. So it's, it's a lot easier. But I want you to listen to what's going on here. And I want you to, to see if you can create an image or kind of a role play of what I'm reading. So... It was really, to be honest with you, this close. And I had my wife very excited about this because I told her, I think there should be an, an uh, enactment of, or reenactment of, of this specific portion of scripture. So it was so close. Or I actually this morning and tonight called some of you up and told you, listen, you are going to be this character in this part of scripture. And you are going to be that character. And then I thought, you know, I, I tend to go down a rabbit hole from time to time. So I think once that starts, I think the whole sermon is gone and the recording is, 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 uh, is not going to work. So I thought, let me rather read this. But I want you to imagine and I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to show you a picture of what happened here. Okay, we're going to read from John 9, verse 1. As he passed by Jesus... He saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am in the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but it is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. Okay. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed 
and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Quite an easy explanation, right? Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received the sight and said, uh, and asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. But this man, ach, if this man were not from God, he, would, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin. And would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and I worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Awesome, awesome portion of scripture with so many truths. So many things we can take out. But 
Tonight I want us to speak about specific points, specific things that God laid in my heart, specifically pertaining to specific prayer. I want us to start, and don't be afraid, we're not going to go through everything in detail. Um, we, you are going to go um, tonight still. Um, I want us to read in John 9 verse 1 to 2. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, the first thing I noticed when I saw this specific piece of scripture, I saw and his disciples asked him. His disciples asked him. They saw something and they asked Jesus. For us today, it's very important that whenever we pray, we understand that we are busy speaking to Jesus. We need to have a revelation that God is alive, Jesus is alive, the Holy Spirit is alive and is with us. If we do not have that revelation of Jesus being alive and with us, prayer means nothing. Absolutely nothing. So the first thing I want us to notice from the scripture is there was an experience with Jesus. They knew him, they had the opportunity to ask him questions and tonight you also have that opportunity. You can ask Jesus. But the second thing that was very important or, or very interesting to me is they asked a very specific question, right? I don't know when last did you walk by or drive by a beggar, never mind blind beggar. Um, when last did you drive by a blind beggar? Het iemand al? Beggar, at least, right? Blind one? Okay, there are a few of us. Interesting question. Drive by a blind beggar and asks, who sinned? Of everything they could have asked Jesus, they asked, who sinned? Right? Interesting question. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now what I want you to do quickly is turn to the one next to you and tell them, if you drive by a blind beggar, what do you think, will you ask him? What do you think will you ask him? If you would speak to him. Okay, let's hear a few questions. What did you ask? Who's willing to ask? I'm not Jesus, so I'm not going to answer. I just want to know the questions. What, what would you have asked? What made you blind? Sorry? How can I help? Yes. Yeah, Yanda says she would say, please put your window up. <laughs> Anyone else? What would you have asked? There's something happening here. Yeah? What's your name? Yes. From childbirth he was blind. Anyone else? Yes, Holly. Who's the person with you? Yes. 
Yeah, is there something with, is there someone with them, their child with them, someone assisting them home or wherever they came from? Very interesting question, right? Who sinned? The second point I want to, to, to speak about is, listen specifically. Ask specifically. Before I go on, as we just now saw that most of us had a different question, each of us goes through life in very different ways. And if I were in your situation or you were in mine, we would probably ask different questions. If whatever happens to us or whatever happens with us, we'd probably ask different questions. But the reality of the matter is, if we take the opportunity to whatever we specifically experience, ask Jesus like the disciples do, we see an example here of something happens, something happening. John 9 verse 3, Jesus answered. Now before we go to what he, what he said and what he answered, the important thing now is to understand that Jesus answers. When we allow ourselves to be transparent and honest with Jesus with regards to what we are going through, he answers. Do we believe that? Do you know that? Jesus answered. Such a profound statement. Listen to what he says. It was not that this man sinned or his parents. So he answers the question, but... So here he, he answers them the question they ask and then he brings truth. That the works of God might be displayed in him. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. What's important here is Jesus answers the question. Then he brings truth. So he eliminates the, the previous question. And then he turns to the, blind, to the blind beggar. He spits on the ground. He makes mud with saliva. And then he anoints the man's eyes with the mud. So the last part of that sentence, or the, the second part of that sentence, goes on in verse 7. Look what happens here. Jesus turns to the blind beggar now. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. There's a word of movement. Do something. Move. I'm calling you to obedience. This is what I need you to do. He already made mud. He spit on the ground. He made mud with his saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes. He already brought truth. The truth is... It has nothing to do with sin. It has to do with that the work of God might be magnified or glorified in his life. That the, um, that the works of God might be displayed in him. Then he tells him, go wash yourself. So he went and washed. And what happened? He came back seeing. Awesome. He responded. Now, as I, as I read this, I thought to myself, I think the blind man would have probably, well, he was blind from birth. So I don't know whether he would know where to walk to if, if he could see all of a sudden. But at this stage, he still couldn't see because it says that he walked, he went and washed and came back seeing. 
So we still went blind there. So there was a moment in time where there was a specific question asked. There was a very specific answer. There was a very specific truth. And there was a call to motion. But he didn't see it. He didn't see everything yet. Okay? He had to move. He had to go wash himself. Jesus tells him what to do and he responds to that. Now when we think of prayer, it's very important before we go on to the next points that if in our prayer lives this does not happen, the part that comes now is, is traumatic. We need to pray specifically. Very specific. Because what you see and what you experience are very specific to you. And there's a reason why you are in that specific situation. Jesus answers. He wants to answer you. And he wants to not only give you truth. But he wants to transform a lie that was believed before. Right? Then he's calling you to motion. But we have to respond in motion whenever he calls us. Move. Go wash yourself. And we will start seeing why. Because the next part is also true in our lives. And we're not going to read the whole part. But I want us to have a look at something that happens here. Point number four. Specific persecution. Whenever we decide to follow a call from Jesus. There is very specific persecution. Very. And it was so interesting to me when I read this portion of scripture. Because you can almost see most of what we experience on earth summarized here. I underlined it there, so we're just going to go through it. And maybe you'll identify with some of them. The neighbors. Let's start there. <laughs> the neighbors. There's always a neighbor, right? The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar. The ones that knew him and that knew what his state was. Verse 9. Some said. Further on in verse 9. Others said. There's always some and others. Very opinionated of when we are trying to follow Jesus, right? Have you ever experienced that? I know none of us do that, but from other people. We always experience that. The moment you start moving in a direction, there's always this and the other and neighbors. And Look what happens next. They said to him, where is he? We need to know how this happened. Have you ever heard that? Verse 13, they brought him to the Pharisees. Verse 14, now it was a Sabbath day. The moment we start walking and obeying Jesus, there's, there's always people saying it, it can't happen like this. It was the wrong day. It was the wrong time. It was the wrong session. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak like that. He doesn't work like that. He can't convince you of that. It's not true. Verse 16, this man is not from God. Later on, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? Listen here, and there was division among them. 
when I read this, I was so, so convicted in my heart because from time to time when, when we sit in, in, in this confusion, people questioning you and, and attacking you and, and persecuting you, they are so um, confused, unsure, uncertain of what's going on that their division among them from time to time becomes our own division and uncertainty. uncertainty. You kind of adopt that. Look what happens in verse 18. Until they called the parents. What are you busy with? Verse 19. Is this your son? Who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? Using that confusion to try and infiltrate also even, even parents. Knowing. Look what they answer them in verse 20. We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we, didn't, we do not know. Luckily, they didn't forget it was their son. <laughs> verse 22. If anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. How many of us experienced that before? The moment you start following, you say, you can't do this here. This is a church. It doesn't work like that here. You can't question. You can't speak. It can't happen here. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Look verse 24. Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Telling, he, telling the blind man that was just healed, Jesus did not heal you. Rather give glory to God because this man is a sinner. Verse 26, what did he do to you? And how did he open your eyes? If we do not pray specifically, if we do not get an answer from Jesus specifically, if Jesus does not tell us how to respond, we will not be able to withstand the persecution that will hit us in this world. It will cause havoc and uncertainty and unsurety and everything. It will have you question everything that you've heard up to that point. Especially if it was some made up idea that you try to maintain. We need to hear from Jesus. Jesus answers. Interesting for the blind beggar. He was so sure, we read in verse 27, he answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Very direct testimony. I know a few people like that. I'm, I'm one of those people that rather ask, ask questions, you know. I would rather say, yo, I, I was there, I was blind, now I see. I'm not 100% sure what happens, but I tell you what. Let's see if we can find him and he can explain for himself. No. This guy says, why are you asking me this over and over again? Do you also want to be his disciples? Very specific testimony. Verse 30, he says, um, why this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from and yet he opened my eyes. 
We read further in verse 31, he says, We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Verse 34, they answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. They started there in, in verse 28, especially when they, when they started reviled, when it says, and they reviled him. You know, I told, I told the, the, um, the people this morning that if the Bible says that, it's not the kind of holy um, differing from someone. If you read the original Hebrew and Greek, you will find a few words that you never knew were used in the Bible. If it says that they were angry at him, they probably were angry at him. And they actually rebuked him and they, and they cast him out. They became very theological with him at that specific point. Became very technical. The last point I want to speak to us about tonight is verse 35. Listen to this. Jesus heard that they cast, that they had cast him out. All of that conversation he was having with them alone. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? And he answered, the blind beggar answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. From time to time, when we get persecuted in, in whatever way, whether it's our own doubts and fears or whether it's from someone outside or whatever, there's a point in time where we need to start all over again. We need to start realizing again that Jesus is with me. He's real. He's listening. I need to start the whole process over again of praying specifically. Lord, this is what I'm feeling. I spoke to one of my friends in the week and, um, and he told me any, um, what I'm experiencing at this stage hurts me so deep that it feels as if God cannot heal me. And his very next sentence was, it feels like I am disrespecting God when I pray because I'm thinking and feeling things that I would never be able to pray. And I was so thankful to God that I was busy with this because immediately I could hear and understand that the reason why God were not able to heal him within that very specific point is because he was not speaking to God about that very specific thing in his life. He did not open that part of his heart up to God. If we pray things that we do not feel, and if we pray things that we do not experience, and if we pray about things that we are not going through, we will probably not hear a specific answer from Jesus. Does that make sense? We need to open our hearts. We need to pray specifically. Why? Because there are certain things that only you see. It doesn't help to ask someone else. 
It doesn't help to, to turn even to another spirit-filled Christian. I've spoken to many Christians over the past few weeks saying, you know what, I turned to a fellow brother or sister and it's not their fault. They were never supposed to replace Jesus in your life. It doesn't help we look at the persecution and say, will you please stop persecuting me? I need to follow Jesus. Not going to happen. We need to start praying specifically. We need to start listening. When there's a response, we need to hear, what's the truth, Lord? What are you calling me to? What's the motion? Where do I need to go from here? I need to understand. I don't have to, I don't have to position myself for persecution, but I shouldn't be surprised when it happens, right? And if the persecution forces me down on my knees, it's the number one important thing to understand that as Jesus sees things that's busy happening to you that you are not equipped to handle. He was not equipped to convince a group of, of Pharisees. He wasn't equipped. He wasn't equipped to theologically explain to them what happened. That's why all he said the whole time was, I know I was blind and I know now I can see. I know there was mud on my eyes. I know I have went and washed it off and I know it was Jesus. Whatever you say about him, that's what happened. That's what I know. And the moment we step away from what Jesus speaks, the persecution becomes something that forces us to a place where Jesus intervenes again. And some of us will be there tonight. He intervenes again and he says, listen, I know you're not able to handle this. I know theologically you are not able or capable to speak about this person. All I want you to do is stand on the truth that I've answered you. Keep moving in the direction that I've called and equipped you. And I will sort out the rest. The blind beggar says in verse 38, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Now tonight, as we, as we are being served with the communion, I want you to take the communion and I want you to have a look at the following questions. So initially, my question was, what is or was my specific question to God? Why? Because you did not start to follow Jesus tonight, right? There were questions asked in the past, somewhere. But you might be asking a question tonight. You might need to ask a question tonight. So I want you to sit there with your communion. I want you to take the time. And I want you to read through those questions and, and ask yourself, what is my specific question to God? Secondly, what is his answer? Thirdly, is my response aligned with his answer? Did I hear his truth? Did I hear his call for movement? Did I hear his call for motion? In what way do I experience persecution at this stage? Is that the point 
where we miss it? Do I testify in those moments? And do I still believe? Do I still believe in Jesus? Because at any point between those six points, if, if there's a disconnect somewhere there, the next point will be unbearable. Can you see that? It's literally impossible. If we did not ask a very specific question, we will not get a very specific answer. There will be no response. You know? If we did ask a specific question, we got an answer, but my response wasn't aligned. Or whatever it is. I, I want you to take a moment quickly. Um, Yanda, will you play something for us, please? Thank you. So I want you to take a moment and I want you to read through those questions. I can't stress this enough. If we do not pray specifically, we will be lukewarm. There is no direction and intentionality if we pray whatever we feel. Whenever we decide to spend time with God, there's no direction, there's no revelation, there's no wisdom, there's no guidance coming. We need to start praying specifically as a church because we need each other. The world needs us and we need Jesus to be revealed on earth, right? So I read through those questions. I'm going to give you a few, a few minutes as long as you need. We, I'm going to end up for us in prayer. I'm not going to tell you when you can use the communion. I, I just want you to have it there with you. The moment you feel you are ready, you can use the communion. Pray with someone that's here. There will be some of us that's standing here in front praying with you. But please don't leave before you spend some time there and seeing, Lord, where's the disconnect? Where did I miss you? I'm going to end up for us in prayer. Take your time. No one's going to rush you. No one's going to chase you away. If you're finished, you're welcome to quietly stand up and go to the back, grab yourself a coffee. Have a wonderful week and we love you. Thank you for being here. Let's close our eyes. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for revealing to us your heart, your passion, your revelation. Holy Spirit, will you please help us to pray? Help us to pray specifically, Lord. Help us to not answer ourselves, Lord. Help us to wait until you can answer. Lord, help us with our response. Help us in the persecution, Lord. Help us to testify. And whenever we are broken and fallen down, on our knees, not knowing where to go, Lord, will you please reveal Jesus again, Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, we open our hearts and we thank you for guiding us. Enjoy your time of prayer.